And we are live. JT here. Welcome to The Huddle. The Huddle is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport and coaching. It's to learn more about their journey to greatness. Why do I have these conversations? Because success always leaves clues. I just want to take a moment to thank you. Whether you are joining us live as we stream into our Facebook community, whether you are watching the replay on Facebook or on YouTube, whether you are listening to the recording of the audio on the podcast, thank you so much for being here with me and my special guest today. And here is my reminder to you. The mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's wide open. So my challenge to you is to keep that mind wide open during this conversation. And I guarantee you, you will get a valuable nugget of wisdom that will help you become great at the game of life. I've been looking forward to my conversation with uh, my special guest today. We chatted a, a few months ago and he was able to carve out some time with us today. My guest in the huddle today is currently serving as the special teams coordinator and receiver coach at the University of Ottawa. My guest in the huddle today is Coach Nate Taylor. How are you today, Coach? I'm doing well. I'm feeling a little bit of pressure right now that with that nugget of wisdom. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do my best, but I really appreciate the introduction. I, I hope someone does get a little bit out of this. Yeah, no, definitely, Coach. And and the one thing I, I will say they'll, they'll grab from you is definitely your your energy. And, and again, I've, I've since we've known each other, since we connected on social, again, just love the big energy you bring to life, brother. And I'm really looking forward to diving a little bit deeper and learning more about you. Sorry. Okay. First things first, brother. Uh, one thing that I'm a big believer on is to always count your blessings. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm counting my blessings for today is just you know, one of the greatest gifts we can give people is our time and energy. So thank you so much for, you know, giving some of your time and energy to be here with me today and our community. So thank you again, brother. Awesome. It's my pleasure. Like I said, I appreciate the invite and the opportunity. I really do. Okay. So brother, one of the things that we like to do first things first in the huddle is to have a little fun. And one thing I often remind people is that life is a game. And the games are supposed to be fun. So I'm curious, what is an interesting fact? Some may call a quirk that maybe a lot of people don't know about you that you would be open to sharing with our community. Uh, <laughs> uh, one thing I, I tell people kind of often is I, I went to golf camp as a child. Okay. Uh, my dad thought I was going to be like the next Tiger Woods kind of deal. Didn't shake mm -hmm. out that way at all. Um, <laughs> That's one thing I went to golf camp really young. I, I enjoyed it kind of growing up and I, I got away from it the kind of the older I got, the more into ball and football I got. I think that's probably the one thing that not many people know about okay. me because I was only like maybe seven or eight, maybe nine at the time. Okay. So all my adult friends don't know until I tell them it's like pictures, there's no Instagram or Facebook back then. So it's <laughs> almost no one's posting that I had my little golf club and me and my younger yeah. brother it was like, a, it was a sleepaway camp. So it was okay. kind of fun. Yeah, that's like one thing most people don't know about me. Okay, I love it. I, I love it. I would have, I would have never expected that, but I love that. Hey, it just shows 
you're you're a renaissance man you have lots of different interests and passions <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so coach i'm curious you've had a very successful career first at an athlete at a very high level and then you've transitioned into coaching at a high level so it's very evident that sport has played an important role in your life i'm curious what is the biggest lesson or takeaway that sport has taught you that you still find yourself applying to your life today? So for me, one of the biggest lessons is kind of, it's kind of the foundation of a lot of the things that I've done in the, or my, my mentality in life and how I kind of approach things. So I'll put it in as, as quickly as I can. So as a child, I wasn't overly confident. I had a younger brother. So I played football my entire life, like since I was six years old. I was one of the smaller kids. I'm still only five foot nine, right? So I was five foot two or whatever it was at the time. I was one of the smaller kids. Um, athletically, I wasn't overly gifted at the time. I just played ball because my cousin played football. My dad played football. I came from a football family. And I, I had a lot of insecurities growing up. I had this nice little gap here <laughs> that I never like to show anyone. So I would never smile in pictures. And so I had a lot of things kind of going on and some insecurities in my life. And uh, like I said, I have a young brother, and like he was the athlete in the family. He was a much better ball player than me. And then uh, one year, I kind of just, a switch kind of just flicked in my mind. I just started working like hard. I went to the field more often. I started running. I started doing a lot of push-ups. And, and I remember, I want to say from the ages of like 12 to 13, 13 to 14, one of those like one of those off seasons, I went from being a backup, not a good ball player being a starter and being like one of the better players on my team and it was probably probably more probably was just going through puberty another portion just I was working out I was putting efforts putting time I was sacrificing I was doing things to try to compensate for the lack of my lack elsewhere right or, so when I did that I remember we were at a practice the first practice of the season and we did like um like a relay race kind of deal and I remember I just took off running down the thing throwing all the bags I came back and I was like yo, how'd you get so, what'd you get so fast? And I, in my mind, I was like, I didn't, cause when you train, you don't notice the difference, right? Cause you're, you're by yourself just running and lifting and stuff. And I was like, yo, how'd you get so fast? And I was like, I'm faster. Like it didn't, it hadn't clicked for me yet. I didn't, I didn't yeah. notice. I was just running alone. And then that kind of was like the, like I said, the foundation is just like, I realized if I put that effort in for that three or four months in the summer, I came back, I was a better player. And I kind of used that when I became, as being a student, being a coach, in relationships, just understanding that it doesn't take all that much time. It just means you have to take time, put in the effort to get to where you want to be, right? And it's not going to happen overnight. And that's what essentially catapulted my whole career as an athlete, because I went from being decent or not being average at best to being decent, to being one of the better players on the team, my team, to winning the team MVP at Concordia in my, in my, my senior year, and then being a free agent with Montreal Alouettes. Like that one summer, as a 13 year old or 12 year old was the like the impetus for me being a pro player for three weeks or whatever you want to call it so I think the big thing was just understanding that you have to work hard you have to sacrifice in order to kind of get to where you want to be and that sacrifice like we're speaking on before isn't always a negative thing it's just understanding that there are certain things that are are more valuable and you know accept delayed gratification knowing that me not going out to a party with my friends in, in university or when I was in high school and going to the gym or waking up early and lifting will pay dividends down the road, right? That's what I need to do in order to kind of get to where I want to be. And that's been my philosophy by and large uh, since that summer, essentially. Yeah. 
I, I love that coach. And first I want to acknowledge you just for being so um, honest and, and vulnerable and sharing your journey. And, and what I really heard from you is around this idea that, you know, am I able, right? And, and I'm a firm believer that everyone is able to, you know, be doing much better than, than they currently are. Right. So, so that's not a, a question, but then I love how you talked about that. Like, are you willing to pay the price? Like, are you willing to put in the reps and sets now, right? In the dark when no one's watching to achieve your future results. And that's what I really heard from you there. So I'm curious, was that something that do you remember? Was there a moment where that switch kind of flipped where you kind of, where that happened or was there maybe a conversation or, you know, do you remember when that light bulb kind of went on? So I, I, I kind of, so the, for me, what, what it, what it wasn't me is I've always been a relatively competitive person and competition kind of drives me. So like another very random story, like I don't like basketball. I'm terrible at basketball. I've always been bad at basketball. Everyone thinks I should be good because the way I look and I look like a ball and I, I can't play ball. I I give me defense and hustle. That's all you're going to get at me. And I'll get fouled out by the second quarter. You know what I mean? So one thing, like another story is like, I go play basketball and I remember I had like, I missed like all my shots. I spent like the next like six hours by myself just shooting free throws. I don't even like ball. I don't want to be good at basketball. I never want to play. I never played organized basketball. But for me, it was just the fact that I was so bad. It was embarrassing. I, I want to be better just so I was better. Not so I could go and be a pro or go play my high school team. I had no inclination whatsoever to do that. Mm. So I think the, the impetus for me, what really did it was just wanting to close that gap and wanting to be the best version I could be trying to be get that confidence right because it's it was kind of it's bad because it's a negative connotation to it but it was if it's it's kind of embarrassing to be bad at something right and that's kind of what fueled me I don't want to be bad like I didn't want to be bad how do you not be bad become better become good become great so that was kind of one of my driving forces to be trying to be the best guy and I know there is a negative aspect of my thought process but it's kind of what worked for me you know what I mean like just like just not I didn't want to be bad I want to be better than everyone else I was just kind of always chasing that. So I think that one thing was, I want to be better than my brother. I want to be better than the guy that was bullying me. I want to be better than the, like trying to prove someone that said, oh, you'll never play CJ ball. Like my high, my gym teacher, I'm not going to say his name because I know I he'll watch the one of my gym teachers in uh, high school. I'm like, oh, I want to go play for Vanier. He's like, oh, Vanier. I was like, yeah, I want to play for Vanier. I said, that's what I want to do. He's like, oh, and he didn't say it outright, but I could tell like the way he was saying it, he didn't think I was capable of playing CJ football I was like okay and I, I still remember that conversation walking down the hallway to this day and the way he looked at me like I was a crazy person I'm like no I'm gonna like that's my goal that's my dream you know it's what I want to do and he's like oh what about this school I'm like no I want to go to Vanier like that's the school that I want to go to and then so I just that off season same deal he wasn't the reason but I just those things kind of pile up in your mind when people tell you you can't do things or if you're only five foot eight you can't play corner why not you know what I mean like I'll figure out a way to get it done so I was kind of just always chasing that and proving people wrong and taking that and adding fuel to my fire. And just, that's what kind of drove me. So yeah, that's kind of what it was. You know, I I love the honesty there, coach. And and what I really heard from you is, is that is a hallmark of every successful and highly effective person, right? It's that, it's that harmony between, you know, that ambition and drive, right? Between, yeah, it's easy to focus. Like, I don't want to be bad. But then high performers, I think, have this next level that they go to when I just want to be better, right? And, and, and I love that. And the other thing I really love what I heard from you 
is how you didn't allow other people's opinions of you to stop you. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I love that. So I'm curious from you, is that something that, was that a lesson that, you know, has always been in your mind? Was that something you unconsciously did? Or is that just something that, yeah, like, has that always been like feel for you? Like, yeah, I'm not going to accept other people's opinions. Uh, as long as I can remember for the most part, just because like, I, yeah, I shouldn't really care what people thought to that extent, like the negative part, like it would drive me to prove them wrong just so they would know better. Like even the same thing, like, like when I got into coaching, like, so I, I started at Concordia, played Concordia, and then I was coaching there as a positional coach. So it was part-time. And a lot of my friends, won't say who they were, but they know who they are. A lot of my friends would be like, so what do you do, like, career-wise? And I want to coach ball. Like, oh, and the same kind of deal. It's like, don't you need to get a real job? Like, no, I want to make coaching football my full-time job. Like, that's my passion. That's what I want to do. And, and, and this is obviously much later in life. But it's just like, no, I'm going to do it. Like, I don't care what you think is the right thing to do or how I should grow up or what I should do in a career or what the norm is. Like, that that serves me no purpose, right? Your opinion of what I do or what I want to accomplish serves me no purpose, right? It has no legitimate effect on my life. So I think I felt this way with the majority of my life. But I do know, I do remember times where people... <laughs> so I think what it is, is I, I'm trying to think about it, like, as we yeah. speak. So... I think for me, I took a lot of things that people said, if I had no control over it, I would take it to heart. But it, I've always felt if I have any control over the outcome, I can overcome it, Is if that makes any sense, right? So if yeah. someone said, I don't like you because you have a, a gap in your teeth or you're, you're five foot eight, I can't control that. Like, okay, that's going to bother me a bit. But if you're telling me I can't be a coach, no, I have control over the outcome so I can overcome whatever shortcomings you may think I have, whatever you may think is possible or not possible. You can't play CJ football. No, I have control over that outcome. So I know with the way that I work and with what I do, I'll get, I'll make it happen. I'll get it done. So I think I just kind of literally put this together in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it just dawned on me now. So okay, a little, a little light bulb revelation moment. But so that's kind of what it is for me. If I can control the outcome, I know I can overcome it. Well, and I love that. I love that, you know, and that word came up a couple of times, a few times actually, as you were sharing, right? Like what's in my control? And why I love that, I'll just share this with you, is I, I drive my kids to school most days, right? Like 99% of the days. And, you know, on the conversation, it's probably five to 10 minute car ride. And, and I'm always asking, you know, just shooting about their day. It's a little carpool karaoke. It's a little bit of fun, but really just me connecting with my kids. And, you know, I remind them, hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. But then I always ask them, what are you committing to today? Mm-hmm. And, and, and they know. And, and again, this is something, this is kind of an expectation in our house is I'm like best effort and attitude, right? Like the, they say best effort and attitude, we call it plus one, right? Like mm-hmm. again, the paying homage to the football, right? Like go a yard past the expectation. Yeah. And it's interesting that just that simple idea, it, it, it's just teaching them that to focus on what they can control. Because like you said, in any situation, regardless of what people's opinions are of you, you can always control the amount of effort you put in and your attitude in that situation. Mm-hmm. So that definitely resonated with me. I love the control piece. Thank you. So I'm curious, coach. So again, one of the things I've really come to admire about you and, and again, talking to some of your coaching colleagues, anyone that's, you know, coached with you, coached against you, you know, anyone that's been coached by you talked about what a great guy you are. So I'm curious why coaching? What, what, what was the inspiration for you to, to, to go into coaching, to dedicate your life to doing this? 
Um, it, it started when I was kind of young. Like, um, I was like, I was more of a technician. Like, I was a good athlete and everything, but I put a lot, I took a lot of pride in watching YouTube videos of being a technician and understanding the game as a defensive back. So when we'd go to the park, we went to the park a lot and we used to do like a lot of football drills, one-on-ones. That was like our fun time as kids. So I would be like running the drills. I'd be the guy to kind of YouTube drills, teach the drills, coach it, trying to work on our, our guys' footwork and stuff. So I kind of developed a love for coaching and teaching that aspect. And that was like the very beginning. So that was like the seed where I realized it. Then I got to Concordia and I ended up working with like our kids' camp for two years. We have like a, a youth camp for football school. I, I loved every minute of that. I was a sleepover counselor, so I kind of got used to it really quick, being with kids all the time and working with them and teaching them and having, like, interactions with them. I really got a lot of gratification from that, just seeing them develop, seeing them make plays, seeing them applying their techniques. And then once I was done ball, uh, I got the job at Concordia. And for me, it was just, like, it just, just felt right. It was always a good fit. I was, I was eager to get there. I was changing my classes on to make sure that I was at practice on time. It was always something that was incredibly important to me. And I always felt that I had a leadership role with whatever team I was, even though I wasn't overly vocal at times. I made it known what should and shouldn't happen within our group. And then once I got the job at Concordia, it became, the guys became my guys, like legitimately my, my players or the guys that I was working with. That's when I realized how much, like, how much I cared, how important they were to me, how much effort and time I was willing to put into them and it didn't feel like I was putting effort and time to them. I felt like that's what I should be doing. That's my job. That's what they need. That's what they deserve. That's what they're going to get from me. They're going to get like every ounce of effort and time that I can muster is going to go to my guys. You know what I mean? So I think that's where when I realized it, it didn't feel like work, I was never like, oh, I got to be at the office. I was like, okay, let's go to the office. I get to go to a place that I where I love to work with the guys that I work with. And it's watching them grow, watching them mature, watching them graduate. It's there's so many things that happen off the football field that I kind of cherish more than what happens on the field, right? Like they get long-term girlfriends and they're like, they're like, oh, I love this girl. You're like, oh my God, it's so dope. I'm so happy for you. Like you need a girl, she'll kind of set you right, she gives you some guidance. Or and even like now I have, I feel like I'm getting older within this industry. Like some of my players, like they're getting married, they're having children. It's just for me, it's like like holy smokes they're getting like i had one kid i only coached him for two years his name is uh, jason as a party he got like the Rhodes scholarship from quebec he's got like his master's from like nyu or he's got his phd like he's a like a brain like an incredibly intelligent human being and i like off the charts intelligence and he's like i can't remember what his, what his job is now but he's making oh god knows what i'm just making but and he's one of those guys that, and he's for me he's one of those guys that he loved the sport he was incredibly detailed, took care of all his business, wasn't overly gifted, but a great kid, moved from quarterback to safety. So I coached him as a safety, played for me for two years, never really started. But you could tell he was so passionate about the game. And he didn't really need the game because he had so many other things going on in his life that were going to take him much further than football would ever take him. Never they would take most people. And I coached him for, like I said, two years. He gave me everything he had. And he's one of those guys where, he never played, but I'm still so proud of him. Like, he's not one of those guys like, oh, he's a four-time All-Canadian. He played five years in the CFL. Like, those, that's cool. Like, I get that, and I do enjoy when that happens. But there's all these other little victories off the field that happen. You have certain guys that are able to accomplish things. And, and it's just so rewarding, you know what I mean? I get to work with a bunch of very impressionable youth that I can kind of help guide in the way that I think they should be guided and help them out as best as I can. I take a lot of pride in spending as much time with them off the field, kind of listening to their problems, checking in on them. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's not like a lot of people, not a lot of people, 
many people have asked me if I ever want to go pro in terms of being a CFL coach. And yes, because I think it'd be cool to work with that caliber of athlete and to kind of get that recognition and be a professional coach. But in the back of my mind, I know that's not what I meant really meant to do. You know, I meant to work with children, work with kids, work with young adults. That's where I feel I bring the most value to this world is helping younger athletes kind of grow and develop and be their sounding board and helping them learn and go through their crises and go through the good times and, and be there for them. Like me working with a 34 year old defensive back that has four kids and is married and is happy. Like, that's great. Like he has those things, but I really get the most reward and most gratification from working with young adults. And that I, I feel that to my core because I never, the pro thing is, like I said, it's cool, but I, I have those when they walk into my office, hey coach, how's it going? Oh, how's school going? Oh, it's going well. And I can so make sure you stay on top of this, stay on top of that. Yeah, yeah, coach, I got you, don't worry, but we'll be good. Like, all right, cool. Like, those are the kind of, like, I live for those moments, those little interactions. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love it, coach. And what I really got from you there was, was, again, that energy, that enthusiasm, that passion that you, you know, you bring, right? And, and what I really heard from you is the football field is kind of your classroom, right? But, but really what you're doing is you are teaching, you're elevating, you're empowering these greater life lessons and, and you're just football is kind of your canvas right now, yeah. but it's really about teaching how to, as cliche as it is, to be to become the best versions of themselves. Absolutely, yeah, I agree to that. I agree 100. Okay, so so I'm curious with you, what you know? I, I think you know it's 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 easy sometimes to get caught up, right? Especially as we move up in levels of football, as you know, that it's easy to get caught up in the wins and the losses, right? So I'm curious, is there anything that you do to anchor, to remind yourself, to keep yourself sort of in harmony that of why you're doing this, like to, to, to really make it about the player, to, to help them become the best version? Is there anything, is there any practice that you have to, to remind you to, you know, be of service to them? Um, I think one of the biggest things is, well, there's a few things that I always try to keep in mind. One is like, no one wants to make mistakes. That's one thing I've always, I've tried to kind of keep in the back of my mind as much as I possibly can. And no one goes out there, and in, in my opinion, in any realm of life, says, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make a mistake. And that's my sole purpose for doing what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go there and I'm not going to do so. I try to always understand that they want to do what's best, that that's their goal. There may be certain things that hinder that ability. Maybe they're, they're, they have issues like remembering things or staying focused. There's all these things that can happen. But I don't think anyone, no DB goes in the field and says, I'm going to get beat for touchdown today. They line up and they get beat for a touchdown. Like, that's not, I'm going to drop a football today. That's not what's in their minds. Like, they want to do well. They want to be successful. So I try to always use that as a mindset when it comes to communicating and having those conversations. Like it's not, it's a kind of what is causing you to make this mistake, right? So I think that helps me understand that they don't, it's not purposeful. There's no intention there. It's just, they, they made a mistake, right? And then the second thing is I was trying to remember kind of like what I was like back then, the mistakes that I made. And it's not, Sometimes it's just ignorance. Sometimes it's just that they're, they're lost, not paying attention. But I've never really had a, a really tough issue with in terms of staying grounded, in terms of making, reminding myself that it's all about the kids and the players. That's always been like my philosophy. That's why I do it. You know what I mean? So it's never been something I've really had to purposely focus on because it's just it's who I am as a person and as a coach. It's like I'm always here for the players. Like, like I, I, very, I very rarely say, like I coach kids, I say I always say I work with kids. 
or I work with players. That's that's you know, like, I can't wait to work with you, or let's let's work together because it's a, it's a relationship. We have to work in conjunction with each other, right? I'm not just here to coach and coach and tell you what to do and tell you to do. You got to give me feedback after work. We have to work together to figure out how to get this thing going. So yeah, that's been uh, a big thing for me, just making sure to kind of stay with that and not yell and not get off because I don't yell at my players. Like I don't, like I've never, the one time I really raise my voice is if they've done something good. Like when I'm, when I'm making, fixing errors, I'm usually just talking to them, right? I'm not here yelling and hooting and hollering and this, because this is disappointing. I'm adding insult to injury. Like they know they yeah. made a mistake. So yeah, I've really never, I've never really had a true issue with that just because it's part of who I am as a coach. Yeah. Well, again, coach, what I really heard from you there is, you have formed this habit of, of having compa- of being compassionate, right? Of being understanding, of being empathetic, right? Of understanding that, hey, everyone is doing the best they can based on their current awareness. And then like you said, it's, no, let, let's separate it. Let's, let's be objective. Let's figure out what is, what is causing the problem and let's fix it together. Let's work together. Let's collaborate. So, so I love that. And, and coach, what I really heard from you is again, you're so focused on, on serving the athletes and the, and the young people you're working with, which again, coaches is, is a testament to who you are. Thank you. Okay. So, so I'm curious, coach, you've obviously played with, you know, you've coached with, you've coached against, you know, you're currently working with some high performers, right? And so I, I'm curious, from your experience, is there like one common char- characteristic that you see like the highest performers, like they have this quality, they have this trait, they have this characteristic? Um, I think like we were talking about before, I, I think what I've seen from all of these, all these people, I shouldn't say guys, we have a ton of both men and women I've worked with have been impressive. I think it's the big thing is it's just sacrifice. Uh, everyone I've worked with or I've seen is willing to give up something to get something else. And whether it be their time or their energy or their money or their, whatever it is, there's always like we had a, a guy on Jackson Bennett because of Hamilton Ticats, mm-hmm. uh, like elite high performer kid, never missed a workout. Didn't eat like any sugar, like just everything he had to do was an ace, a straight A student. Like his, he's very regimented. Like he sacrificed a ton to get to where he was. Right. And obviously it, it paid off Lewis Ward in the dome he's the kicker for the red blacks broke the record for most consecutive kicks in a regular season of pro football uh every time we had an opportunity to kick he was kicking he was kicking kicking consistently always at a few pro trials now and it's just i've seen him not go out not do this to make sure he's got he wakes up early so he can get in the dome and, and kick all the coaches i've been around that have been high performers in my opinion put in the extra hours they watch more film than most they spend more time in the office they spend more time talking to their players so it's just one of those things that, and when, in my opinion, when you sacrifice, you tend to be more efficient with what you do. You tend to plan a bit more because you don't want to just sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to give up three hours and you could have done something in an hour and a half, right? So I think it kind of goes hand in hand where people that know that they're giving up something to get something else are going to try to maximize their, their ROI on that, right? They're not going to waste time in the weight room like for three hours, like chit chat, like, no, I have to do school work after this. My workouts take an hour. So take an hour. I'm out, and I'm on to the next thing, and I'm on to the next that next thing. People that don't really understand what they're what they're giving up, they don't value yeah. what they're giving up. Tend to waste it, right? If you're a billionaire, you're gonna just spend more money because that's the way it works. If you're 
a low income, low socioeconomic income, you're probably gonna be a bit of more of a penny pincher, making sure you get the most bang for your buck, right? So mm-hmm. I think it comes down to that when you're sacrificing, yet you tend to be more fish and you tend to be more, um, what's the word? Uh, even more intentional that you do is more intention in everything that you do with the time. I love that. And, and what I really heard from you again was, was that willingness that we talked about, like, you know, what price are you willing to pay? And, and again, it's understanding that there's no right or wrong answer. It's just a question. You have to be honest with yourself, right? If, if you're not willing to pay the price, that's cool. Right. If you are great. But, but what I really love from that there is that when you are consistently willing to pay that price, you know, and, and this is something I've noticed from working with athletes, with my clients is consistency creates confidence, mm-hmm. right? And that confidence creates champions because when it hits the fan, and as we know, we're talking sports here, it will hit the fan. You will get beat, beat deep sometimes, maybe you've mo- you missed assignment, you know, how quickly can you reset? How quickly can you focus back on, on the next play, right? And, and go in there. So I, I guess I, I'm curious, can you teach, in your opinion, can you teach someone the, the value of being consistent or is that something that some people get, some people don't, or is that something that, you know, you, you can actually teach someone the value of consistency? Uh, yeah, you can. So another story. Um, so we had a player, phenomenal athlete, very good football player, uh, wasn't very fond of the gym. Unfortunately, I'm not going to say his name, wasn't very fond of, of the gym. So uh, I was coaching at the time, I was his defensive back coach. So I literally took him for like two months, like me and him were going to the gym at this time, that time, this time. And we like, we worked out together. And um, I we had a, a, a few very like, like real conversations with him in the weight room. And cause he didn't, the way he played for us, he didn't really need it. He was just so phenomenal. He's just so gifted. It was like one of the best players I've ever, ever, ever been around. It's insane how much progress he's made. And now he's been in the gym. He's having, he's having a very good career right now. And I literally, I took him to the gym. Me and you, we're going three days a week. These are the times that we're going. Don't be late. And the reason why he was like, he didn't like going to the gym is because he never had. So he's he insecure about his performance when he was there. He wasn't as strong as the guys before. But since it didn't affect him on the field, there was no real negative impact to his career until till that point. Because he was still, like I said, like one of the best players I've ever been around, ever coached. But in the weight room, he was like one of the worst guys I'd ever been around or ever coached. And then, so like I said, we had a real conversation. I'm like, like, why do you not go? He said, yeah, I, I don't really like it, which I understand. But it's also, like, I'm not strong. Like, I'm one of the weaker guys. So on the field, he's a stud. Everyone's like, this guy's so good. But then you see him in the gym a day later, you're like, what? Like, why is he not moving more weight? So we had a heart to heart about that. I'm like, yo, I'm like, don't worry about any of that. The only way we can get over that or overcome that is to, to work on it. You can't just stay in that zone your, your whole life it's gonna hurt you big time when you're trying to go pro so we had a real conversation and then we started going to the gym together and then um like i said like so the first week he's like i'm sore this sucks i don't want to do it and then the next week he's like oh i'm still sore i'm not making any progress and like week three he's like oh i don't know if i can make it today I'm like, no i'm here for yeah. you we're going to the gym we're gonna work yeah. out big dog like i'm not letting you get away you know we're, we're gonna get this thing done we gotta get a change how these things go with you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like a month in, and then about like, I want to say like a month, about that five weeks, that spot, 
you said he had like a jump in his in his strength gains, right? So now he's benching, he's moving weight, he's feeling better. Now he's texting me. He's like, yo, where you at? I'm like, I'm five minutes late. Like, give me a break. You know what I mean? Like, I still got work to do. He's like, all right, I was like, all right, I'll get started without you. And then and like I saw the switches mentality almost not immediately, but over that four or five week like spot. And then we got to week, like say like two months in, three months in-ish. I started like weaning away because I had to do like actual work work. Like obviously yeah. I had to get on the road recruiting. But about month three, I was pulling back partially because I had to work and partially because he needed to start going on his own accord. He needed to say, I'm going to do this for me, not because Coach Nate is, dry, is making sure I'm here and he's there with me. Yeah. And then, um, like I said, he kind of learned the value of that consistency. You have to, like, not force me to push it a little bit because they don't realize how much it matters until it does. And then once he got on it, like, he got stronger, he got faster, he got bigger. And uh, he went from, like, barely being able to bench, like, I think a plate to benching two plates for a couple reps in that, say, three-month period. And he was ecstatic. He benched two plates. I remember his eyes lit up. And I was like, dog, like, you did it. You know what I mean? We both, like, we shared, like, a moment where he's like, I was excited because I was going with him. I love the gym, so it was, it was good for me to go. But I was excited because he he'd achieved, like, a, a milestone where he had never benched two plates before but to that point. So he, he did it. And he was ecstatic. He was excited. And he said, let's do it again. And he dropped it on his chest. I'm like, yo, chill, big dog. Like, that was a one-right max you can't do right away. But yeah. he was, but it was fun. Yeah, and it was one of those moments that I, I kind of cherished in terms of just watching him grow. And, and now he's a, he's a gym fiend. He runs. He lifts. He, he's training elsewhere now. But he runs. Mm-hmm. He lifts. He's posting ability. He's spending the time into his body, getting being bigger, stronger, faster. And he just recently, I'm pretty sure, just started, I think, his first game in the CFL. You know what I mean? And so it's just one of those things where, and part of that is just him committing to that consistency and training and spending that off season, spending that time becoming a more physically imposing athlete and spending that time on his body. So I think you can, it's a moral story. Yeah. I, I think you definitely can teach yeah. consistency. I think some people, if they don't understand the importance of it, you might have to walk them through the process because it's, it's that whole, like I said, delayed gratification. If you're the whole thing with consistencies, you're not going to feel it right away. You know, you know what I mean? It takes two or three weeks. And then once you get on the roll, you start building up these wins and these wins. And all, all of a sudden, like you said, you're a champion. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. keep on building on these wins every day, every week. You win here, win there. And then when you start feeling that, you're like, oh, wow, like, you get it. And it just it clicks immediately. And now it's like, okay, we're good to go. And hopefully they just kind of keep that mindset for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. I love that story, coach. And again, it speaks volumes of who you are. The first thing I really heard from you as you talked about that was just, again, your ability to to embody and demonstrate compassion and understanding. And really, what I got from you there was by actually asking a question, right? And 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 what I caught from you was, it's so easy to ask a question from a place of judgment, right? Like, why aren't you doing this, right? It's easy to go there, right? It's just a learned behavior, right? That many of us are taught. But I love how you ask the question from a place of curiosity, like, yeah, like, why don't you like the gym? Mm -hmm. So, so inherently, you're getting at the root cause there. And then when you found out why he wasn't doing it, you provided what every great coach and mentor does is the accountability. So, so again, that, that, that harmony between loving tough right? Saying, nope, you're not tapping out. You're, you're getting, nope, we're going to the gym yeah. today. And also raising that expectation, right? So, so I love that. So, so I'm curious, wh- how, 
important has like coaching and mentorship been in your life? Like, like, is it, is it something that you're obviously a great coach or mentor? Is it still something that you surround yourself with? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important. I try to read a lot. I, I try to read a bit about, about great coaches and what, and what they've done to get to where they are. Um, I've had a couple people in my life that have been very impactful. Like uh, I work with coach JV. Uh, he's a defensive coordinator here. He's taught me share an office. So I've just, just organically, he shared, he shared so much knowledge. I mean, I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, my old head coach was, was a great job. Our new head coach, Marcel Befay, and like, he's doing a great job. And just, just, I think one of the biggest things, I think kind of what you led with is having an open mind, the, the parachute deal is you have to always be willing to receive all this information. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know when I was younger, people would say things and I wouldn't think about why they said it or what it would mean for me or how I could apply it into my life. Right. So I think you can get a lot of really good mentorship just by keeping your mind open and kind of listening to everything that people are saying and not immediately trying to throw all oh, that doesn't make any sense and tossing like understand like why are they saying that what brought them to this point they've been in this business longer than I have so something had to have happened whether or not it's right or wrong I can't say for any amount of certainty but it's still my job to kind of and analyzing as best I can and see what I can pull from it right and then there's some things where like mentorship obviously ideally it's all positive but there's also some things that you hear from coaches or from people like I don't want to do that or I don't want to be that person right I know it's not a great way to learn but it's also important to understand the things that aren't good and the things that you don't want to take from somebody not embodying that part of someone that may be good in 90 percent of what they do but there's a 10 percent that doesn't fit your your philosophy in life right not just being taken you can kind of toss that 10 percent take the 90 percent that does serve your purpose uh I've also spent some a good amount of time with Jen Boyd, who's our women's rugby coach. She's a phenomenal coach. Like she's one of those people when I want to talk about sacred when we talk about I said people instead of instead of men, just referring mainly to Jen Boyd. And she's one of those people where it's just like like sac like, body sacrifice, efficiency, like yeah, it's she's a machine. And I say that with the utmost respect and, and, yeah. and astonishment. Like, yeah, she just gets after it, right? And I think they've medaled uh six times in a row in, in women's rugby and youth sports. So I'm not sure how many goals, but they're just consistently impressive and the way she organizes things and her efficiency. And it's just, just watching the the national championship contender deal, always kind of being at the top dog in that realm, no matter what sport, what gender it's, it's impressive, right? Even if you're coaching freaking peewee football, you know what I mean? If you coach peewee football and you, you medal six times in a row, like you're doing something right. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? You're, you're coaching youth ping pong, if you medal six times every year, you're in the medals for your national championship, you're doing something right, right? And there's something to be taken from that. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, so that's another big one is Jen. And then I worked with Frank Rodriguez as well, and he helped me in terms of my development. So I've had some people, and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful with that. My parents as well, obviously, my hardworking mentality comes from both my mother and my father. And that's kind of something that was instilled in me when I was incredibly young, because uh yeah my dad just just grinder he grinded he worked um he was a, a he's, on, he's on facebook really he worked as a as a porter in an airport so he worked okay. almost almost exclusively on tips for the for a lot part a large part of his life and it's like man if he didn't work he didn't get paid right and he kind of told me that i knew we knew like we had conversations he's like if i don't go to work I, he doesn't get paid and it, it's like he has to be there he has to grind and i actually worked with him for two summers and I, I gained a huge amount. Of, I should have told him this, actually. I should probably tell him tomorrow or something. I gained a huge amount of respect and in, in for what he did to kind of support us and, and the amount of time he had to spend. Because it's, it's not an easy job. You kind of just sit there and wait to see if someone wants you to grab their bags. 
and there's no guarantee of a dollar. You know what I mean? You're just kind of doing your best or you're, you're grinding it out. And he did that for hours and he worked seven days a week. I remember one, I can't remember what it was, but I think one year he worked like 92 days in a row or something like that. He's like, cause Nate, if I don't go, I don't get paid. Right. There's nothing I have to save all my money. So I think I took that and I understood that like, if you don't work, you don't get paid. You have to, you have to keep on grinding. And my mom worked security in a hospital. I worked with her as well. Actually, they both got me jobs. Uh, I worked with her as well. And she worked night shifts, right? She worked night shifts in a hospital with a premium. So she has paid a bit more. So I think it's, it's one of those things that nothing is given, right? Everything is, is kind of earned in my parents. And they didn't do it with any amount of intention. I think I, weren't, I don't think they were implicitly trying to tell me, like, you got to work hard. But just from the way that they acted and the way that they did, and I never... I never wanted for anything. I had everything I ever needed. I, I, I always had shoes, always had this, I had a roof over my head. And that was due to how much time and effort they put into their work that wasn't, they weren't necessarily great jobs. They had to work a little harder than most. So mm-hmm. I think those, like when I, like, like I always tell my mom, my success is your success. And when I tell her, I, like, every time I, like, I write her like a, a Christmas card or a birthday card, I always end it like, my success is your success. And I, I believe that to my, like, it makes me almost, emotional to a certain extent because I know that she didn't have all the opportunities and my, especially my father had like zero opportunities in terms of being able to be quote-unquote successful in today's society would be deemed successful because mm-hmm. a, a kind of a rough upbringing unfortunately Whew. sorry I'm getting emotional oh, it's, all, it's okay yeah it's okay. so he had a yeah a quote-unquote like kind of a, a rough upbringing and he didn't have he had like zero support from his family and he's uh he's from Barbados so the language thing he never really learned French and he, had, he couldn't go through school because he had to support his family to drop out and get a job on the on in the ships working in the docks and all that kind of thing so mm-hmm. yeah so when I say that yeah kind of when I say I tell her all the time that my success is your success right so I, I feel like I owe it to them to do certain things a certain way. And uh, they're, they've been huge, instrumental in the kind of the way that I was raised and the way I approach life and, and the way that I do things. So uh, mentorship has been, sum it all up once again, uh, mentorship has been huge in my life. I've had a ton of phenomenal guidance. I, I'm blessed to have the people that I have in my life and the people that have supported me. And uh, it, it's been amazing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't say you can't get to where I am or you can't be successful without having a network of people. I'm sure there have been tons of people that have done that, but a large part of where I am and what I've been able to accomplish is due to the fact that I've had uh, this, the, my, my network, the people around me and my girlfriend who's been phenomenal. So I'm not going to, she's supported me through a bunch of training camps and helped me out with different things. So yeah, it, it, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'll wrap that up. Yeah. Okay. Hey, brother, you know, I, I think that's, again, one of the most authentic things I've heard in a long time. And, and what really resonated with me, what touched my heart was where you talked about how when you share with your parents, like my success is your success, right? And just, you have this like beautiful gift of, of, of being, of embodying this, this compassion and understanding that realizing that your wins are the byproduct of, you know, of, of, you know, lessons you've learned from other people, whether they be your parents, your coaches, you know, uh, other mentors you have, your, your girlfriend. And it, it's such a, I don't know, it's such a, it's such a, a beautiful gift that you have that I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge you for that, brother. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I want to be respectful of your time, brother. So, so I have one last question for you. Um, you know, one thing I often like to remind people 
is that challenges, obstacles, setbacks are part of the game of life. It's not that we want to expect them, but we just understand they will pop up from time to time. So I'm curious, what is a piece of advice, you know, a suggestion you would offer someone that maybe is going through maybe a challenging time right now, just so that they can, you know, get back on their feet, create some positive momentum and get back on their journey to greatness? Um, I think one of the things that helps me, even though I'm, I'm pretty bad at it, to be completely honest, is uh, finding people to talk about it too. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times we go through these things and you can't always see your own fallacies or your own faults or their own reasons for certain things happening. And a lot of times people with an outside perspective, whether it be right or be wrong, because I've had one thing I've, I've kind of learned recently is you can have a conversation with somebody about, about any, anything and their opinion may not resonate with you, but the conversation in and of itself forces you to think about it intrinsically. Things where you think makes you force you to think about it. So you have this conversation and you leave the conversation like, yeah, I don't agree with anything you said, but the fact that you get to think about your arguments or your rebuttals or whatever was in your mind allows you to kind of move on from that or try, try to think more deeply into that thing. So I think the biggest thing for me is I would say it's to be persistent. You got to keep on working hard, but also trying to find people to talk to about and seeing what their perspective is on it. You know what I mean? How, if they've gone through something similar, they know someone's gone through something similar and how they found a way to kind of bounce back from that thing. So I think that's what ha has worked best for me when I do have a, a major issue. So I have something, a challenge. It's finding someone that, that knows something about it and you can talk to and kind of bounce ideas off of. And their, their solution may not work for you, but the conversation force may force you to think of a different solution or another way to approach that thing. You know, brother, I, I can appreciate you know, how you're feeling because that's something I've had to work on too, right? The ability to, to ask for help, to trust that, you know, even just opening up, having a conversation sometimes prompts you and forces you to actually stop and think. And, and that really is powerful, right? Like when, when we stop and ask ourselves powerful questions, we usually create powerful results. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious, you know, how, how can we help? How can we support you? You know, how can people, you know, follow you? Maybe they want to learn more about GG football. You know, what, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, uh, Instagram. Instagram's good. Coach Taylor. Sorry. Yeah, I always okay. forget when I, when, I, when I have to say it out loud. <laughs> Uh, I think it's Coach Nate Taylor. Oh, yeah, Coach Nate Taylor. No, Coach Taylor thirty uh, one on Instagram and on Twitter. I am sorry about that. Just yeah, it's just Coach Nate Taylor on Twitter. Yeah, okay. so Coach Taylor thirty one on Instagram. Coach Nate Taylor on Twitter. Okay, so so again, I, I love it, and and again, folks, I would encourage you to to uh, follow Coach, and again, he's got great energy and uh, yeah, just, just, a, just a great all around human being. So coach, I, I wanna take a moment to acknowledge you. Uh, I wanna acknowledge you for the man you are, you know, the great boyfriend you are, the great son, the great teacher, coach and mentor, but more importantly, the great human being you are. The one thing I've really gained from this conversation is how important it is to, to embody, you know, compassion and understanding and, and really taking an interest in people. Like that is something, brother, that that's a gift. 
And, and it's a great reminder to me about how to really live a great life. And that's to be compassionate and understanding and, and really get to know people. So thank you for that reminder, brother. Well, thank you for, like I said, thank you for the opportunity. I, this conversation was, was really, really good for me. Like I, like I said, it's, you don't, I don't have a lot of these conversations organically at times. So you asked phenomenal questions and it kind of forced me, like I got to text my dad now and tell him how much those hours working at the airport kind of affected my life and how it made me a better person. Right. And that's something I would never, I never put those things together. I never put some of these things together now in my so I'm grateful for the conversation you got from me on here. Yeah, no, definitely coach. And, and I have a feeling this will be the, you know, first of many great conversations. There you go. So folks, here is my reminder to you. As I remind you every time in the huddle, knowledge is potential power. It's the consistent and focused application of that knowledge that actually creates great results. Coach shared so many valuable nuggets of wisdom that will not only help you succeed on the football field, but more importantly, help you succeed at the game of life. So take one of these valuable nuggets of wisdom and go apply it to your life. And I'll remind you that you are deserving of greatness. You are worthy of greatness. You are greatness. Now go do the work. As always, I look forward to chat with you next time in the huddle. Have a blessed rest of your day. We'll talk soon.